Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, happy 40th, Justin. Happy 40th. I'm not 40th. <laughs> Neither am I, but um, something's 40. What? What's 40? Uh, Trek Trek. Oh, what? Yeah, it's episode 40 of Trek Trek. Crazy. Yeah, we're almost halfway to 100. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we gotta get, we gotta get through some more Enterprise. Is it time for our midlife crisis? <laughs> yeah, it's time for our crisis on infinite, uh, Enterprises. Mm. Uh, and, uh, which would probably, uh, probably sounds like an episode of Enterprise. That sure. We might get at some point, but now we're, uh, we're like, uh, I don't know, around halfway through season two, I think, at this point. Yeah, after this one, we should be at the halfway point. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about two episodes again, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about season two, episode eleven, and season two, episode twelve. Uh, you want to just get into it? Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I don't know if there's been any any Trek like stuff going on recently. Mm. I mean, what have, what have you been up to? Did you did you Trek at all? Did you? Uh, other than these two episodes, now mm. I was hoping to get back to. I've been doing the big rewatch of the uh, classic Trek movies. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to get back to search for Spock, but um, yeah, I've just been too busy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully you can get back to that soon. Um, actually, in, in um, researching the episode I'm going to talk about after the episode you're going to talk about, um, I saw a mention of Star Trek the Animated Series, mm-hmm. and I actually haven't seen probably more than an episode of that. Wow. So I'm thinking at some point, maybe we should talk about, we can do a little special episode or something and talk about uh, the animated series because kind of keen. I've seen every episode of the original series and it's, you know, continuation of that with all the original cast. So mm-hmm. kind of exciting. And I think it's still on Netflix too. So yeah. And it's interesting. Obviously the reason I'm bringing it up is because there's uh, some continuity or at least a mention of something in a in a enterprise episode. So um yeah, let's uh let's just start with this one first. Let's uh season go. 2 episode 11 Precious Cargo. Original air date December 11, 2002. All right, bring it home. The episode opens with Trip playing his harmonica in his quarters. He stops <laughs> when the enterprise slows down to meet with an alien ship. Even though Trip is off duty, Archer calls him and asks him to do some repair work in Docking Port 2. Uh, that's the opening credits. When the episode returns, the Enterprise has docked with the alien ship. Trip walks down a corridor with Archer and T'Pol. Uh, Archer tells Trip that the aliens, uh, Retellian cargo pilots, are having problems with their life support systems. The three Enterprise crewmen meet with the two Retellians, uh, who tell them that they were tasked with returning a young woman to her home world, but her stasis pod malfunctioned a few days ago. She's in a pod because they are a cargo ship, not a passenger ship, and they only have enough food and air for the crew. Uh, they need to complete the mission so that they get paid. 
Uh, Trip boards the Retellian ship with one of the two Retellians. The other Retellian stays behind with Archer and T'Pol and requests a bath, like Neelix. Oh, no! Are these Neelix's cousins? This is how you know they're up to no good. Yeah, when they start acting like Neelix, hogging all the water. Uh, Well, they don't have to deal with the drought like you do right now. Yeah, right? They're not they're not Californians. They're Retellians. <laughs> I don't know. On board the Retellian ship, Trip looks at the malfunctioning equipment. It's very dark and dirty on the ship. Uh, Trip can't read the language, so he wants Hoshi to help out. Uh, Trip sees the woman, and it's Padma Lakshmi from Tot Chef. <laughs> that was my immediate reaction, too. I'm like, oh, it's Salman Rushdie's ex-wife. <laughs> there she is. Uh, she's going to sample some. Oh, maybe uh, uh, Trip is going to make her some pecan pie. Yeah. Have her taste it. Uh deconstructed pecan pie. Yeah. In a in a uh a showdown with chef. <laughs> yeah. Uh the Retellian captain, I assume he's the captain. He has not been identified either way. Mm-hmm. Uh meets with Archer in Archer's ready room. Uh the Retellian ship can go up to warp two point two. Archer offers to take them to their destination, as it will only take four days, as opposed to five months, to get them there at warp 4.5. Uh, the Retellion captain declines Archer's offer and tells them that the woman's family isn't expecting her for another five months. The Retellion will have a meal, however. So he wants food, and he wants a bath. Sounds like he looks. <laughs> but he's not in a hurry to get to his destination. Right, right. Hey, so how does that work really quickly? Um, I, I don't remember actually thinking about this with any previous episodes of Trek before, that they would basically keep the Retalion ship docked to the Enterprise and go to warp, and it would just stay with them? Yeah. Oh, okay. It'll create a warp field around them. Warp. Put the warp bubble sure. around them. Okay. All right. There we go. It's uh, it's I'm satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> uh on the Retellian ship, Hoshi brings Trip the translation. Hoshi wants to know who the woman is. Trip says he talked to one of the Retellians, Plin, but he doesn't know much other than the woman is perhaps a doctor. Hoshi leaves and Trip hears a thumping sound. The woman is screaming at Trip to free her. In Archer's dining room, Archer and T'Pol are eating with the two Retellians when an alarm sounds telling the Retellians that the stasis pod is malfunctioning. Uh, the Retellian captain quickly exits. On the Retellian ship, Trip uses a crowbar to break the stasis pod's locks uh, when the Retellian captain stops him. Trip wants to free her because she's suffocating. Uh, she's freed from the stasis pod, but her hands are bound with rope. As Trip is checking on her, the Retellian captain knocks Trip out with the crowbar. In Archer's dining room, the other Retellian gets a call from the captain saying that he needs help. The Retellian leaves the dining room in a hurry. Uh, Archer tries calling Trip, but there's no response. So Archer then calls Reed. As the other Retellian, not the captain, uh, who is Plin, as it turns out, uh, as Plin walks down a hallway, he's greeted by Reed and a security officer. Uh, Plin and Reed and the uh, security officer are heading towards the docking port, but the Retellian captain pulls out a phaser and starts firing. Reed fires back. Uh, the captain retreats to his ship and starts up the engines before Reed can stop him. 
The Retellian ship is trying to break free, but Archer tells Reed to secure the docking clamps. They're too late, however, and the Retellian ship flies off. And it just pops right off. Just Yeah, just rips the whole docking mechanism yeah. apart. Uh, the Enterprise pursues the Retellian ship. Uh, it's not difficult to stay on its tail, as the Enterprise is a much faster ship. On the bridge, Archer orders Reed to fire the phase cannons at the Retellian ship's engines. The Retellian ship drops out of warp after a direct hit at the port nacelle. As the Enterprise approaches the damaged ship, it releases some sort of green mist. Uh, it turns out to be dilithium hydroxyls, uh, which obscure the Enterprise's main viewer. The Retellian ship then warps off, uh, so it wasn't as damaged as they initially thought. Mm. The mist gets into the Enterprise's plasma vents, so they can't engage the warp drive, and they lose the Retellian ship. Meanwhile, on the Retellian ship, Trip is rousing when he is hit by the woman who thinks Trip is working with the Retellians. Uh, Trip tries to explain, but he can't understand them with the woman's language and uh, vice versa. As Trip is untying the woman's hands, the Retellian captain appears with a phaser in his hands. He demands that the stasis pod be repaired, and then he leaves. Trip frees the woman and manages to use the universal translator so that they can communicate. Turns out the Retellians kidnapped the woman as she was returning from a diplomatic mission. She is the first monarch of the sovereign dynasty of Creos, or of Creos Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trip wants to use the escape pods to get back to the Enterprise. She wants to wait for the kidnappers to get their ransom, and then they'll be released. Uh, but Trip won't be ordered around. On the Enterprise, in Archer's ready room, Archer and T'Pol interrogate Plin. We learn that the Retellian captain is named Goff. Plin claims that he doesn't know anything and that he's a victim of Goff as well. Archer wants Plin's help with the Retellian ship's warp frequency. Uh, Plin says he can't help, so Archer orders that Plin be placed in the airlock as a prisoner. Okay. So they don't have... uh... Or is this just a ploy? They have a brig, because yeah. they mentioned it before, but he wants to scare him into thinking yeah. he'll be released into space. It's like they're playing good cop, bad cop in space. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Uh, on the Retalian ship, Trip is working on an exit while the first monarch acts like a spoiled princess. Uh, oh. uh, yes, she does that quite a bit. It's mm-hmm. very annoying. Uh, Trip convinces her to follow him, and they enter some ducks. We learn that the woman's name is Kaitama. Eventually, Trip and Kaitama find the escape pod. Uh, Kaitama complains that the escape pod is meant for one person, but Trip convinces her to get in. Mm-hmm. They escape, and Trip wants to hide by flying to a system that's about a day away. Trip is uh, trying to work in the escape pod while Kaitama complains about being touched and she brings up that he has no plan for getting her food and water and dealing with hostile life forms on the planet. Uh, Trip just wants to land safely, but he's willing to try to get along with her if she is. On Enterprise, Reed and the security officer bring Plin to Archer, who is standing alone in the mess hall, which is dark and has only one table and one chair in it. Oh, right. Uh, Archer orders him to sit, and then Archer says that he doesn't want to talk about Goff. He wants to talk about Plin. Archer explains that the mess hall is where Plin's tribunal will take place. Uh, Archer says that Starfleet 
asked the Vulcan High Command to assign a judicial administrator to Enterprise. That administrator is T'Pol, and she has already reviewed the evidence, so the tribunal is a mere formality. Archer warns that T'Pol's punishments can be severe. Uh, those who are late to their shifts are beaten, for example. Uh, Archer tells Plin that they started with 83 crewmen, but they're now down to 76 due to T'Pol's punishments. Oh my goodness. That's right. I was getting ahead of myself. This is definitely the good captain, bad T'Pol. <laughs> Uh, Flynn argues that he didn't do anything wrong, but Archer says that he's an accessory to kidnapping. He resisted arrest. He obstructed an investigation and he caused damage to his Starfleet vessel. T'Pol, dressed in robes, enters. Uh, Archer bows to her and Flynn follows suit. T'Pol asks about Flynn's weight and height and if his people have any postmortem rituals. Flynn argues that he should be able to contact his government and Archer suggests that they contact the Vulcan High Command. Uh, Tabal says she has complete autonomy. As she's leaving, she says that they will convene at 1800 hours, and Archer and Plin bow to her. Archer says there's nothing he can do, but Tabal owes him a few favors, so he's willing to ask for leniency if Plin can tell them the warp frequency of the Retellian ship. On the escape pod, Kaitama is hungry and wants Trip to find her food, but he's busy. Uh, she passive-aggressively gives Trip water, and they split some jerky. Uh, Trip tells her that the pod reminds him of his first car. Uh, we learn that the first monarch doesn't socialize with the opposite sex, which means Kaitama doesn't date, though she was uh, courted four years ago before she became first monarch, uh, and they start clearly start bonding. Mm-hmm. Not awkwardly at all. <laughs> no, it's totally natural. Mm -hmm. uh, they head towards a water planet that has a chain of islands on it. It's the only planet in the system with an atmosphere. Uh, they crash land on a swampy world, which is apparently hot, but mosquito-free. As Trip is setting up camp, Kaitama notices that he's bleeding on his shoulder. She wants him to remove his uniform so that they can clean up his wound because they don't know what kind of microbes are on the planet. Uh, Trip complies, and she cleans his wound. Uh, she's worried about food, but Trip will hunt some of the wildlife. Later, Kaitama brings Trip some twigs because she can't find any other dry wood. Uh, Trip wants her to keep searching, but she sits and pouts because she is not his servant. Uh, Trip gets angry and says that she can't survive without him, so he's the king of the swamp. Uh, the argument gets heated, and she tries to slap Trip. But he stops her, and they roll into the swamp water and continue arguing until she kisses him. Uh, later still, the camp is set up. There's a fire going, something cooking on a pot. Uh, Trip and Kaitama are spooning in their underwear. As Trip pours the contents of the pot into another container, he hears a beeping sound coming from the escape pod. It's a homing beacon. Uh, Trip smashes it with a rock. Goff arrives on the planet and investigates the escape pod. He then sees Trip and Kaitama at the campsite. Goff shoots Trip, but it was a dummy. Trip jumps down from a tree and lands on Goff. They get into a fist fight. Goff gets to the upper hand and tries drowning Trip, but Kaitama clobbers Goff with a branch. Uh, <laughs> she wants Trip to leave Goff to drown, but Trip saves him. As Trip is searching for Goff's phaser, they hear someone else approaching. It's Archer, T'Pol, and Reed. Great timing. Of course. <laughs> Captain Starlog, September 12th, 2152. The Enterprise has rendezvoused with the Krios battle cruiser. 
the kidnappers have been taken into custody. Trip and Kaitama, uh, Kaitama is now wearing an Enterprise jumpsuit. Uh, they're walking down a hallway. Katama is going to ascend in 246 days, and Trip hopes that the Enterprise will visit Kriya's prime before then, though he doubts her family will let him see her again. Uh, she says that once she's monarch, she'll have the authority to change the rules. Uh, the Kriya's battle cruiser disengages from the Enterprise as the episode ends. Mm. This was a very bad episode. Yes! (laughs) You said it, and I agree with you. This was, uh, we've had a couple of real stinkers this season. Uh, Night in Sick Bay, and now this. Mm -hmm. And I don't quite even know where to begin. I mean, it was, it was super simple. Uh, Padma's character was really annoying. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just wasn't very well written. No, it's the ultimate cliche of the princess falling for the rogue, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, there was so forced, mm-hmm. uh, she was so irritating in the beginning mm-hmm. and then has a sudden switch in personality. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <sighs> um, so yeah. I don't, I'm not even sure. I mean, normally I'd, I'd want to maybe talk about what could have been done to improve this episode. Um, but at this point, I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely read some of the back, back, the background, not the backstory, I guess, the episode, but some of the background about the production of it. Apparently it was like, uh, it was written and then it was like significantly rewritten and kind of like everyone involved. I think more so than a night, uh, night in sick bay. I don't know if, if Braga and, and, uh, Rick Berman and, you know, the rest of the crew on the show were as down on a night in sick bay as, you know, kind of Trek fans are in general. But I do know from some of the reading I did before we recorded that, um, they are like really, really down on this episode. Like, I think at one point, uh, Brandon, Brandon Braga, um, asked, uh, Rick Berman and some of the other, you know, showrunners, if there was any way they could possibly not air the episode. Um, <laughs> which I think would have been kind of unheard of, you know? I mean, what would they, what would they fill the slot with? I mean, maybe if they had the next episode done, they could have, but yeah, it was, uh, it was not, uh, not well liked. And, um, uh, it's interesting that, that the, the guy who wrote the episode apparently, you know, continued on to, to do some other Trek stuff, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I think there was some point where he was like, I'm, I'm totally getting fired over this because it's horrible. <laughs> it was a real struggle to get through. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's, I think you kind of put it best. It was, it was a struggle. It was a challenging episode to get through because it just was not good. It was just kind of painful. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know how much of that was, uh, you know, her character or how much of that was her acting. I don't blame the actors. Really? Yeah. You just think it was just the whole. I mean, that she was presented with this character who is supposed to be like this stuck up, spoiled princess. Yeah. And she played that role. Um, and, uh, it was, yeah, it was just a poorly written character. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. <laughs> there we have it folks yeah it was just a, it was not a good episode and i feel bad for everyone involved in it <laughs> yeah 
uh, precious cargo. It's not very precious. Uh, next episode is The Catwalk. Uh, we'll talk about that after we take a little break. UPN Wednesday, when Enterprise is boarded by aliens. Get the hell off my ship! I'm in command of this bridge. All aboard are forced into hiding. They murder the crews, take anything of value. And the captain must make the most difficult decision of his career. I'll destroy Enterprise. And we're back. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 12, The Catwalk. Original air date, December 18th, 2002. Uh, take away, Randy. All right. So before anyone, you know, gets their hopes up, this isn't, you know, uh, an offshoot of uh, Zoolander or anything like that. Zoolander? Zoolander? Zoolander. Uh, so, uh, episode begins. Uh, the Enterprise is in orbit of an uninhabited planet. Uh, it's uh, Captain Starlog, September 18th, 2152, in fact. Um, Archer is talking about how uh, this planet uh, has been scanned by Enterprise, and it is teeming with plant and animal life. Uh, Archer is planning to lead an away team. Uh, he's talking with Trip uh, during this uh next section of the intro and uh trip is uh obviously really excited to be going down to a planet as he usually is uh never really gets a chance to and he's joking about all the things he would like to do while they're down there including river rafting uh to paul alerts archer at this point that an alien vessel is approaching and hailing enterprise so like all good things, it usually gets interrupted by aliens hailing Enterprise. Uh, on screen is an alien, uh, one of three aliens, who identifies himself as one Relis Tagrim uh, and his crew of two. Uh, and they ask for permission to come aboard as soon as possible, considering the circumstances. Uh, when Archer asks about said circumstances... Relis tells him that there is a neutronic wave approaching at faster than warp speed, uh, and that they should leave the area at warp 7 as soon as the aliens are on board. Uh, at this point, Archer reveals uh, to the aliens that Enterprise can only travel at warp 5. So, dun-dun-dun! And opening credits. Um, we come back from the credits, uh, we're on the bridge, uh, T'Pol is looking at a screen that's displaying, uh, this neutronic wave front. Uh, she tells Archer that a Vulcan vessel, uh, from their history of space, uh, travel once encountered such a phenomena and was nearly destroyed. Um, and then she tells Archer after some discussion that the wavefront and the subsequent neutronic storm will reach Enterprise in about four hours. Uh, Reed says that the ship should be able to uh, survive the wavefront and the storm if they are to reinforce the structural integrity. Uh, Phlox is there, however, and informs him that while the Enterprise would survive uh, with reinforcing, the crew is another matter. Uh, if the crew doesn't seek shelter, he says, the wave's radiation, the neutronic radiation, will kill them within only three minutes. Uh, Phlox, at this point, uh, suggests that the crew take refuge in sickbay, uh, since it's the most heavily shielded section of the ship. Um, but as Archer points out, all, uh, 83 crew members wouldn't be able to fit into sickbay, of course, and he's not about to start drawing lots. Uh, Trip suggests, uh, that the crew hide out on the catwalk, 
And what? we have the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this catwalk? Um, according to Trip, uh, it's a heavily shielded crawl space between the warp nacelles. If you remember what the NXO one looks like, uh, the warp nacelles, unlike on the later Enterprises, are kind of almost straight out from the hull. Mm-hmm. So this is a catwalk that runs between them. Um However, they would have to shut down the warp reactor uh, to get everyone in there, because otherwise uh, it will get too hot. I think he says that it gets up to about 300 degrees in this particular crawlway, or on the catwalk. So the catwalk's pretty hot. You know, it's like Milan Fashion Week, you know? Uh, Anyways, uh, so at this point, uh, Enterprise leaves orbit. And uh, they start the preparations to power down the warp reactor. Um, we're on the catwalk at this point, uh, and it is, as expected, kind of sweltering. Um, characters are uh, are walking along, uh, and they're they're you know interacting with one another. And there's some mention of how um, you know they've got to get the crew of the ship on uh, down there, uh, but they should also not forget about Porthos, of course, or well, you can't forget Porthos. How could you forget Porthos? And uh, all of Phlox's animals. See, this is what I want to bring up, though. Because mm-hmm. they were going to hide in sickbay in the beginning. Why not leave the animals in sickbay? Oh, my gosh. You know what? Wow. You just kind of broke something. <laughs> That's a great observation. I have no idea. Because he pointed out that the crew would be okay if they were in sickbay. All right. Well... <laughs> <laughs> So they basically just totally broke their own logic, like, two scenes later. Or, like, a scene later. Yep. Yep. Can't, they've got to get out of sickbay. So this will actually come up uh, a little later, too. And it just is going to make me shake my head even harder <laughs> at that point. Um, so Mayweather's talking about how uh, he wants, as a as a spacer, because, you know, he was born on a, on a, on a freighter, uh, they once encountered a level three storm like this. Um, and the crew ended up spending six weeks in the ship's core. So is obviously a pretty bad situation. Um, so next up, uh, trip, we see trip, uh, and he's found a room, uh, off of the catwalk to act as a temporary bridge. Um, and, as he's uh, kind of investigating what, you know, kind of panels and stuff they have in there, Mayweather continues uh, to tell Trip about that storm he encountered as a child. Uh, so at this point, we see the aliens again, uh, the three aliens. Uh, we still don't know what their race is, uh, but then we learn that they are from the Takret system. Uh, Archer comes uh, to uh, spring them out of where they are, which is the decontamination chamber, uh, and they inform him, after some chatting, that they are working as stellar cartographers. Uh, so Archer, you know, asks if they can help uh, update Enterprise's star charts once the storm passes, and they said they would be pleased to. Uh, Phlox is also there. Uh, he leads them off. And uh, we see the crew of the Enterprise kind of evacuating to the catwalk from all their duty stations, taking their stuff with them, and basically just kind of hot-footing it there. Um, Trip is shown in engineering, preparing to shut everything on the ship down. And I made a note that uh, I thought that this part had this, some really great music. It was very dramatic as mm. everyone was kind of evacuating. Uh, you know, it was, I thought it was building up a good sense of urgency. 
that this storm is approaching. Um, you know, it's good that they didn't, you know, just let us forget that, oh yeah, that's why they're going in there. All right, so here's a scene that I referenced earlier after you totally broke my brain with your observation about sickbay. So in sickbay, uh, we see Phlox, and he is packing up all of his, and I'm underlined and bolded, many, many animals. <laughs> I think it's getting a little out of control at this point. Uh, it's when T'Pol arrives, and he she offers to help him out. Uh, he reveals to her uh, that given the amount of space that she's allotted him on the catwalk, uh, that he'll only be able to fit about two-thirds of his creatures into that space uh, because of the amount of medical supplies they'll need for their stay on the catwalk. DePaul, um, I mean, she's not supposed to be making jokes, but she suggests that maybe some of the creatures could share cages, and Phlox doesn't seem very pleased with her attempt at humor. Uh, he says that they would eat each other, and uh, he starts to make an argument that they are vital to his work and the health of the crew. Uh, he says he's not used to making emotional appeals, and begs, basically begs to Paul <laughs> to not make him have to choose between the crew and his animals. Uh, she relents and gives him more room uh, on the catwalk for his his menagerie. Uh, to which he replies, "My Indosian, my Edosian slugs, thank you." <laughs> but at this point, because of your uh, keen memory, we know that they could have just left them in sickbay. <laughs> um, well, I'm just saying they mentioned it in the beginning that sickbay I mean, would be safe. I'm just wondering if, I mean, the old, I, I think that you're right on. My, my only thought was what if, um, you, there was something about, you know, people, humans might have been able to weather that much radiation in sick bay, but the animals can't. I don't know. Or maybe he needed some of the animals in case someone got sick or something in the catwalk. Hmm. The Adosian slugs. Yeah. Maybe. Cause he's always trying to stick those onto people. Uh, so next up, we see uh, Trip and I, I'm calling them Tacretians. Sure. I don't think they ever really refer to the race. They they say they're from that that planet or that system. So Trip and the Tacretians are on the catwalk, and he's helping them settle in. Um, and when he he's you know satisfied that they're getting settled in, he he leaves. And as he does so, uh, one of the aliens reveals that he doesn't even know the first thing about stellar cartography. Uh-oh. Yeah, so they lied. And he asks, what if the Enterprise crew starts asking questions? Uh, next up, we're in Archer's quarters. Uh, he's packing up, and he's looking out his viewport, out his window, and he can see the wavefront. It looks really pretty, actually. Uh, the door chimes, and T'Pol enters. Uh, he tells uh, T'Pol that he didn't expect the wavefront to look so beautiful. And wishes, of course, because he's Archer and they're out there on their exploration mission, that they could study it some. Uh, so we learn at this point that Enterprise will be in the uh, neutronic storm for approximately eight days. So T'Pol says, you know, given that amount of time, they should be able to run all the scans they want. Um, I guess this is assuming they can control all the scans and stuff from the temporary bridge. Uh, we learn at this point that Reed has completed his modifications to the ship. Uh, the structural integrity upgrades that uh, he was talking about earlier. Uh, Archer admits that he's worried about shutting the ship down, uh, but T'Pol tells him that they have to do that because the systems could get irreversibly fried otherwise if they're even a slight spark. 
Uh, Archer says he uh, studied the Vulcan database and looked up the storm and the ship that she had mentioned earlier. Uh, it was the starship Taplana, and as he has learned, it was lost with all hands. <clears throat> T'Pol tells Archer that she must have remembered incorrectly, so obviously she was trying to give the crew hope, I'm guessing. Yeah. That's why she made up the story. Uh, Archer <clears throat> has headed up to the bridge, uh, and he's uh, ready to hand off control to trip down on the temporary bridge. Uh, it goes well, and they start shutting everything down. I made a note that they're supposed to be shutting everything down, yet there's still like a bunch of view screens. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff still running. I was kind of expecting the ship to just kind of go dark. So the wave is almost at the ship. Uh, Archer at this point is down on the temporary bridge. Everyone is accounted for, even Porthos. We see Porthos down there. Uh, Trip asks Archer if he'd like to try out the new captain's chair, which is basically just like a drum. He didn't <laughs> like, put as much thought into that as he did in Singularity. No, no. You can tell. Now that he's no longer like singularly obsessed with the captain's chair, he's just like, whatever. <laughs> There was a joke, actually, I didn't make a note of it, but there was actually a joke earlier in this episode where um, Trip was, I can't remember who Trip was talking to at the time, but he says something about, someone says something about, like, bringing the captain's chair down there <laughs> or something, and so I thought that would have been kind of funny. But, anyways, it's just like a bucket. Uh, Archer, to which Archer replies, maybe later. Uh, Archer gets on the ship's comm uh, to address the crew. And he, of course, gives them a pep talk. And we learn that there's about a minute and five seconds until the waves hits. Uh, before we know it, they're going in. They're just going to flat out fly into the wave. <laughs> you know, I guess if, if you got to get through it somehow. Uh, and Porthos is not having a good time. Um, it's getting really shaky. Uh, and he's kind of freaking out a little bit. I felt bad for Porthos. Again, I, I made a note about the music. Uh, it was very dramatic. It just sounded very different from the previous episodes we've seen. It almost made me wonder if, you know, I haven't looked it up. and made me wonder if someone else scored this episode. <clears throat> so, you know, they're going into the wavefront. They're going into the storm. Super shaky. And uh, Mayweather mentions that the stabilizers are not engaging. Um, hence all the shakiness. But they finally do. Uh, so Enterprise, when we see it next from the outside, is flying through the storm. Uh, cut to the inside of the ship. Archer's on the titular catwalk, uh, kind of strolling through, interacting with the crew. Uh, one of uh, the crew members, a female crew member, approaches him uh, and asks him uh, a question about a Vulcan uh, representative to Earth. And it turns out it appears she's working on a crossword puzzle. <laughs> so uh, Archer, you know, he's captain. It's important duty, you know, help her with her crossword. Uh, he checks in with Hoshi. Uh, this part actually reminded me a lot of uh, Battlestar Galactica. I was going to say, my the... next note was that it reminded me of BSG. Yeah. The, with, uh, with... the tight makeshift quarters. Uh-huh. Just, it was it was almost like, you know, the refugees crammed into every inch of the ship. Mm -hmm. It was kind of interesting. And I was like, oh, Star Trek BSG? Oh. So next up um, on his tour... It reminded us both of Battlestar Galactica, evidently. Uh, he, ch he checks in on Hoshi, uh, and she says, basically says that 
jokes a little bit and says that her time on the catwalk is probably going to cure her of her claustrophobia. Because uh, as we know from previous episodes, uh, she's got a lot of phobias and uh, claustrophobia being one of them. Uh, her toothbrush is weird. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's like laser lights or something. Yeah. Maybe it's like, you know, super whitening. Yeah, maybe. It, maybe more. Maybe it's like a laser comb. Have you ever seen that? It's like a. As seen on TV product, it's a comb that has lasers in it to stimulate hair growth. So oh, maybe, oh, okay. maybe she was trying to make her gums grow or something. <laughs> so uh, Archer next, he checks on Trip. He wants to know how the aliens are doing. Uh, Trip replies, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I love Trip. Uh, and he says uh, to Archer that the aliens don't seem to want anything to do with the crew of the Enterprise. Uh, next up, we see Reed and Flocks chatting. Uh, turns out, uh, Reed has come to see Flocks because he's having some tummy trouble. He doesn't say that, but it would have been pretty adorable <laughs> if he did. We learn at that point, uh, that Reed apparently had a quote unquote incident in the past while in zero gravity. <laughs> Uh, at this point, Flox gives him a hypo of some medication to help with said troubles, uh, and prevent said incidents again, uh, as Archer arrives. Uh, Archer asks Flox how the crew is doing, uh, and kind of circuitously, we learn that, um, Flox is alright with the, uh, the cramped quarters because uh, about 12 billion people live on one continent on his homeworld of Denobula. So, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to imagine, is is there just one giant continent, though? Maybe it's not that bad, you know? <laughs> it's like a megacity from Judge Dredd. Yeah, yeah. Megacity 1 on Denobula. Uh, so, after this, uh, Archer kind of winds his way back to the temporary bridge. Um, he kind of heads to the back. He's going to go crash, basically. Uh, and he finds T'Pol back there reading. Um, Archer lays down, pulls out a pad, and starts watching water polo. And they filmed it vertically. People in the future don't learn. <laughs> yeah. it's Sorry, folks. People are never going to shoot video horizontally again on their, <laughs> on their iPads. So this has, been, this has been proven by Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, so, you know, he's listening. It's kind of loud. And he asks uh, if if it's bothering her. And she says, uh, only slightly. So he turns it off, which is seems like a pretty big reaction to it only slightly bothering her. Maybe he could, like, turn it down. or Anyways, uh, he's turned it off, and he's trying to get some rest uh, when her pad starts beeping. And it's clearly uh, kind of irritating him. And I wrote, touche! <laughs> she needs a silent mode for her pad. Yeah, right? Can you imagine an iPad every time you push the button that beeped? Ugh. Well, I mean, it makes that clicking sound when people yeah. don't turn off the keyboard. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like the Star Trek equivalent of the of the keyboard sound mm-hmm. on iOS. Um, Archer tells Paul that there's a bright side to this whole awful situation, and that's that it's bringing the crew closer together. Oh. And it's almost like a campy trip. <laughs> wow. Okay, Captain Archer. He's a cheesy, cheesy fellow. He's a cheesy guy. Uh, it's not easy being cheesy. Uh, T'Pol tells him that she has, quote-unquote, gone camping before, 
in that she once participated in the Kazwan ritual. And I made a note that this was seen on Star Trek, the animated series episode yesteryear, which I have yet to watch, where she was left in a desert to survive for 10 days. Archer responds, sounds fun. He tells uh, T'Pol that this is a good opportunity to get to know the rest of the crew. T'Pol asks him if that's an order, and he responds, does it have to be? So she's being a real grumpus. (laughs) (laughs) So next up, uh, Reed, Mayweather, Tripp, and Hoshi are playing cards and wagering their dessert rations. It's like Battlestar Galactica, they're playing poker. Yep. Uh, at this point, uh, Reed raises a pineapple cobbler. So that, you know, it's a pretty big deal for him. Yeah, that's... He's wagering his pineapple is the only thing he likes. (laughs) Uh, Reed says that he, uh, really would love to take a shower. Uh, He jokes that Tripp could build one after they're done with his hand. (laughs) Tripp replies, would you like a sauna while I'm at it? So there's some more, like, Reed trip bickering here. Um, it gets a little more serious. Uh, Reed is upset, uh, that Trip didn't think about things like showers, uh, given how long they'd be stuck on the catwalk. Uh, Trip says, I only had four hours, Malcolm. You're lucky you got a toilet. <laughs> so at this point, Reed kind of badmouths engineering and, uh, Trip tells him that he can build a shower for himself if he wants. Uh, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember, I didn't make a note as to who started talking about this, but someone mentions that there's going to be a movie night. Basically, everyone is super crabby. So it's like Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're in cramped quarters. Yeah, and it's you know. it's kind of it's got to be gross in there. At this point, there's smoke. They notice there's smoke. Uh oh. Oh, the movie, by the way, they're gonna see it's the day the Earth stood still. Oh right. Which is another ancient movie. Yeah, you know they're stuck in the fifties, man. So, anyways, um, but uh, you know, I guess if it was, I guess if this was like original series from the sixties and seventies, those movies would be practically like first run at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, while everyone's being crabby, they've haven't noticed that there's smoke coming from somewhere. And it turns out it's the aliens. Uh, they're cooking some food on top of a pla- plasma manifold, and Trip is pissed. It turns out uh, they decided they had to cook their own food uh, because they were having trouble digesting human food. Uh, at this point, Archer calls Trip and tells him to get to the command area ASAP. Uh, Trip grabs the gross alien food, uh, saying that maybe Chef can heat it up for them, and then he hands it to Reed. <laughs> so, more fun Reed Trip stuff there. Uh, Reed, or, uh, Trip comes into the temporary bridge, uh, we find out that there may be a problem in engineering, uh, and that problem is that the plasma injectors have come online. Uh, Trip thinks it could be a glitch... And he tells Archer about what the aliens have been up to and that they're driving him and everyone else crazy. He says that they only sleep once a week, which I haven't been there a week, so I'm not quite sure how that works, and are keeping everyone up with their quote-unquote strange rituals. Archer says that they owe the aliens for warning them about the storm. Uh, Trip discovers that the matter and anti- antimatter injectors are both online. 
Uh, Paul says it could be a power surge that triggered them, but Tripp says the odd of that happening are extremely low and that someone will have to go check on things in engineering. So at this point, Tripp puts on one of their EV suits, which they, I guess, uh, luckily brought with them. Uh, he enters engineering and discovers some tools on the deck near a wall panel. He hears a noise, uh, and he switches off his suit's lights to hide, and he does so, and he sees aliens. So there's some other aliens, different aliens. Uh, they're messing with stuff behind the panel uh, where he found the tools when Trip uh, sounds an alarm uh, to distract them so he can escape. Uh, so next we see uh, one of the hallways outside engineering, and more of these humanoid aliens are marching by, running by. What the heck? Uh, Trip exits, and I made a note that this is kind of, at this point, like Metal Gear Enterprise. Yeah, or it's like uh, the episode with the Ferengi, mm-hmm. with uh, Trip as kind of the action hero again. Yeah. Um. So, But he's trying to bug out of there and get back. Um. Trip at this point, he looks out one of the portals uh, into the storm, and he sees another alien ship docked alongside with Enterprise. Uh, he then uses one of the terminals nearby to view a camera feed of the bridge, where there's a bunch of these aliens uh, rummaging through everything. So yeah, again, you're like you say, kind of like the Ferengi. Um, the next up, we see that they're the captain, this alien captain. Um, I'm assuming, is in Archer's quarters, and he's using the captain's terminal to view profiles of the crew. Uh, one of his men enters uh, Archer's quarters and announces that there's no sign of the fugitives. He says it appears that the Enterprise's crew has deserted the ship. Uh, the alien captain says he believes the crew may have taken refuge in a nearby system and might return. Uh, he asks about the status of the warp engines and said that, that getting them online is a priority. And he goes back to listening to Archer's Starlog. So he's being a total creeper. Um, <laughs> oh, the Starlog he listens to is from Fallen Hero, by the way. Oh, right. Good point. Um, so next we're back on the catwalk. Uh, and we're kind of jump right into like mid scene with flocks revealing that the alien trio. Uh, who are there with them are actually immune to the storm's radiation and it was never a threat to them. So as we expected or suspected, they were lying all along. Yeah. Hmm. I totally thought they were on the level. (laughs) I'm very shocked. Shocked. I say. (laughs) So, um, they, first they attempt to claim that had they, um, stayed out in the storm, their ship would have been destroyed. And Archer then demands to know who these other aliens are. Uh, Relis, the leader of these guys, uh, swears that they don't know, but Archer isn't buying it. So we find out one of the other aliens' names is Guri, by the way. Um, it turns out that the other aliens are part of what is called the Takret military or Takret militia, sorry, who've been pursuing this trio for weeks. Uh, the trio of aliens thought they could hide on Enterprise, but the militia must have detected their vessel in its landing bay. Uh, the alien trio claims that they are deserters from this militia and that the militia is seriously corrupt. 
uh, they were worried that the Enterprise wouldn't have helped them if they had initially told the truth. And I made a note that they clearly haven't watched any Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> because I think if any ship would, and especially... Uh, on Enterprise, if any ship would help people out of the kindness of Archer's heart, it would be, uh, Enterprise. Absolutely. Yeah. But they didn't know. Maybe, you know, they're used to this heartless, uh, corrupt militia. You know, maybe they figure everyone's corrupt. I don't know. <clears throat> so everything at this point, uh, points to the militia planning to steal the Enterprise, uh, and that they don't know the crew is still on board. Uh, T'Pol thinks that it would endanger the crew if they reveal themselves, um, but Archer still thinks that the trio of aliens are lying. Um, in engineering, we see the militia members working on the warp injectors. Uh, they've activated the dilithium matrix, and so they're ready to restart the warp reactor. Which is uh, not good news. No, because they're they're about to steal the freaking Enterprise. Well, they're going to get cooked in the catwalk. Oh, right, because it'll go up to 300 degrees, so... Um, the, the militia aliens, uh, discover at this point, the navigation, navigation systems have been rerouted, uh, but they don't seem that interested in why they were rerouted or to where, um, back on the catwalk. So we're doing a lot of cutting back and forth now between the militia and the people on the catwalk. Um, the senior staff, enterprise senior staff are playing what to do when the reactor comes online, uh, which is going to bring the catwalk temperature up to that 300 degrees in about 20 minutes. So after this revelation, uh, we come back from the commercial break to see Archer, T'Pol, and Reed suiting up in the EV suits, and Trip is giving them some, some advice. Archer tells uh, says, tell Travis to wait for my signal. Uh, we're back on the bridge where the alien captain is demanding helm control. So they clearly haven't figured out the navigation system rerouting. Uh, Archer and his team are then shown sneaking through the kitchen to access some terminals. And I noticed uh, all the uh, food was left out to get irradiated. Yeah, so all the food's going to go bad. Uh, Trip is giving them some instructions on what to do and where to do it. Um, we cut back to the bridge. Uh, the aliens are being hailed from somewhere on board Enterprise. The call is coming from on board the ship. <laughs> I said the exact same thing. In really? Notes. Great, great. <laughs> so it's Archer. Uh, Archer has a couple of great lines here. Uh, he tells the alien captain, you're in my chair. <laughs> uh, and then Archer is is basically acting. He's, he's kind of putting on. Uh, that he's he's sick, and he tells the alien captain that the rest of the crew is dead and have they were killed by the storm radiation. Yeah, and he tells, huh? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say he tells the alien captain, "Get the hell off my ship." Yeah, I was. My note was Archer is an amazing actor. <laughs> <coughs> he's huffing and puffing, basically. They start talking about the fugitives. Um, the alien captain tells Archer that Enterprise has been impounded and that the remaining uh, Enterprise crew will be charged with criminal conspiracy for aiding the deserters. Archer says he only answers to Starfleet and will do anything necessary to protect the ship. He threatens to destroy Enterprise. It was a pretty common ploy by Starfleet captains, I think. <laughs> but the alien captain calls his bluff, uh, bringing up the fact that the ship uh, employs 
Archer's father's engine, etc., etc. So, you know, he it's like he kind of knows Archer. Well, he'll listen well, to all those Starlogs. He's listening to all the Starlogs, right. Uh, my note here was that they don't have a self-destruct feature on Enterprise. Uh, mm. The way that they're going to destroy the ship is not how they would usually do it on another Star Trek show. Mm. Uh, so uh, the alien captain learns that they've traced uh, Archer's signal. And he tells some soldiers to go after him. Uh, Archer at this point tells Travis to head for a head uh, to steer the ship uh, for a plasma eddy. As militia troops arrive in the kitchen where Archer is and start opening fire, so a nice you know shootout in the kitchen. Again, reminded me of uh, Metal Gear Solid Two for yeah, gamers yeah. listening. I could see that. <clears throat> Uh, meanwhile, T'Pol and Reed are off um, having trouble disabling the warp reactor. Uh, it's starting to get really warm on the catwalk. We cut back. Lots of quick cuts here. We cut back to Archer in a shootout uh, in the in the kitchen. Uh, I guess the galley, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and things things start getting seriously shaky. Uh, a cabbage gets shot. By the militia, I noticed. Uh, and then Archer gets revenge by shooting one of them. So he, he got revenge for the poor cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, back on the bridge, alien captain, unnamed alien captain, really, really wants home control at this point. <laughs> He's making it really clear that he wants home control. Uh, his lackey, uh, suggests that they abandon ship, uh, because of what's going on, and at this point, uh, the warp reactor shuts down. Uh, things get even shakier, all the pots start flying everywhere, uh, and this prompts the alien captain, uh, and probably not the pots flying everywhere, but the fact that they're heading for a plasma eddy and have no control over the ship, uh, the cap- alien captain recalls his troops and tells them to evacuate. Uh, down on the temporary bridge, Mayweather says that they're getting too close to the plasma eddy, but T'Pol orders him to remain on course. Uh, the militia ship, at this point, undocks from Enterprise and just gets the heck out of there. Uh, and Archer calls uh, into the temporary command center and tells Travis that they're gone and to obviously steer away from the plasma eddy. And luckily they can. So uh, at this point, it's... Um, uh, after all the action, uh, we've got the Captain Starlog, and uh, Archer's talking about how uh, Enterprise has passed through the worst of the storm, but that it'll be a while before they're clear. Uh, he says the crew's doing well, all things considered, um, even though they haven't had a change of clothes in about eight days. Gross. Um, yeah. And no and no showers, because Trip was a jerk and didn't think about it. <laughs> he only had four hours. He only had four hours, right? So, um... The crew, they're, they're down there and they're, they're watching a Western. Uh, yet another old, old movie. So clearly <laughs> there's not even any futuristic films in the Enterprise library. Uh, it, turns they just... out, it turns out they're actually watching an episode of a TV show. Oh, okay. Uh, they're watching, uh, the episode The Tide from the TV series Kung Fu. Oh. From 1973. So it's not even. It's technically not a Western, kind of a Western, but it's not a movie. They they, they don't know. They can't differentiate between movies and TV shows. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so they're watching. Thanks for that research. Get it? The uh, tide? It's a you know, wave? 
Oh, now I get it. <laughs> All right, so they're watching Kung Fu. Um, and uh, T'Pol's explaining the plot to Reed, who is very grumpy. Uh, when Archer comes over the comms to address the crew, and he tells them that they're going to be moving out of the storm in just a few minutes, and everybody cheers. Um, Trip, uh, still down in where they're watching the not a movie, uh, Trip tells to Paul that he's glad that uh, he's glad that she ended up joining them for the movie, <laughs> and invites her to the next movie night. Uh, after this, Enterprise clears the storm, and the crew returns back to normal duty. Uh, we see the alien deserters packing up. And they're apologizing to Archer for all the trouble they caused. He wish- wishes them good luck uh, before he runs into T'Pol. Uh, and the two of them, plus Porthos, walk off down the corridor. And that's the end of the episode. They sure were lucky that those aliens were good guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this was, uh, I mean, after Precious Cargo, this was a lot better. Um, it was, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's a great episode, but... I enjoyed it a lot more than the mm-hmm. previous. And uh like you said the music uh was really good at uh heightening tension. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a lot of heightening tension in this episode. Yeah, I mean there was actually I kind of noted it a couple times during the synopsis, but there was a, a lot of really quick cuts back and forth, a lot going on at once which is kind of uncommon for Enterprise and again like you said, it, I mean this episode was just like diametrically opposed to the previous episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've had that happen twice now where we've had, um, we've had a really bad episode and then an episode that wasn't, you know, remarkable. Um, like the episode after, um, a night in sick bay, it was not a remarkable episode, but just watching them together. It just, it just, you know, you're just like, wow, this other episode is just so much better. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, uh, the thing okay. I liked about this episode was seeing the crew all together uh, mm-hmm. put into these like cramped quarters and having to deal with living in close proximity to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a lot of fraternizing among the crew, like when they're in the mess hall, mm-hmm. but here it's like they have to live with each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so uh, again, I don't think it was, you know, kind of like the best written episode. I mean, it was, you know, it, it's just kind of like that kind of stuff where you're just seeing like the crew and that's like what really long form episodic sci-fi like again we were reminded of Battlestar Galactica I think what those shows do really well is they're just scenes that have no other purpose but for like the crew to or the you know the main characters or maybe not even main characters to kind of bond and come together and you start seeing them more as like real people Mm -hmm. and so this episode, I think, tried to do some of that, and it was very kind of, like, lightweight, but at least there was something there. Like, I mean, just just seeing uh, seeing them playing cards and, like, wagering, you know, their rations, you know, and stuff like that. I think it yeah, and like, makes it more believable. Right. And, then, like, to Paul and Archer getting on each other's nerves when looking at their pads. Like, mm-hmm. something... Little things like little, that. Yeah, little things, but it helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, develop the characters yeah so you know the i mean this is what is this the second episode now where the enterprise has been taken over basically yeah so you know i'm not exactly so excited about them already going back to that well but i mean it was it was interesting i mean it was 
In yeah. some ways, I feel like that plot line was kind of unnecessary. Like, if it were just them learning to live with each other, and then mm-hmm. suddenly something bad happens outside, and they have to go repair it, I mm-hmm. think that would be a little more interesting than, oh, there's these aliens who happen to be immune to this radiation who are taking Enterprise. Oh, right. Because that's why they have to talk about how the, the trio is... Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. They were immune, and so obviously their other people from the race are immune. So, yeah. I don't know. I felt like it could have been a little simpler, a little cleaner uh, mm-hmm. if they didn't involve these other aliens. Other, right. It made it made it too complex. Maybe they could have spent more time on the character development of the crew. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, all in all, um, I enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Um, I definitely think we need to see more episodes like this. No more episodes like A Night in Sick Bay or Precious Cargo. Yes. Um, Hopefully, from everything we've heard, sorry, folks, we sound like broken records, but, you know, we, we are hopefully going to be getting fewer episodes like that and more episodes like this and even better episodes. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to see where they go. Um, yeah, we're halfway through season two at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard great things about seasons three and four. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. And I mean, come on. I mean, at the very worst, we're watching Star Trek. How bad can that be? Yeah. Okay. Wait, don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> uh, a Night in Sick Bay and yeah, yeah, Cargo. Yeah. But I mean, it's Star Trek, right? Like Star Trek, it's not always, it, it, it's not necessarily always super great. I mean, there are episodes of TNG that aren't great. There's episodes of original series that are really not great, you mm-hmm. know? But as a whole, I'm, I'm hoping that we look back on Enterprise and say, you know what? As, uh, as a whole, that was great. Yeah. So I have a good feeling about it. Um, Next time, we're going to talk about Dawn and Mm -hmm. Stigma. Hmm. All right. So no Precious Cargo, no Unisic Bay. Well, I mean, they don't have those titles. We don't really know what they're about. We don't know. Okay. Okay. Uh, Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you later. Yep. See ya. UPN Wednesday. Mayday! Mayday! I'm losing power! Shipwrecked on a hostile moon. The temperature can rise to 170 degrees. Two enemies fight to survive. I need to get back to my ship. Can Enterprise mount a rescue in time? Last known position. I detected weapons fire. 